ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. What's up and welcome to another episode of Nosebleeds, WFUV Sports, MLB Podcast, talking Mets, Yanks, anything relevant around the world of the MLB. Along with Miles Grossman and Tyler Hugh, I'm Colin Lochran saying what's up everybody we have a lot to get to today and it's really a detailed show if i've ever seen one because it's a lot in the sense that there's quite a bit going on but there's not a whole lot of action going on on the field right you have the two main teams here in new york that recently had some interesting things going on the yankees with a weird trip in boston the mets taking two of three for atlanta we'll talk about that and the implications that come with that that's really the story for me but before we do any of it, Tyler, how are you doing today, man? Um, I'm all over the place, busy with work, um, watching the Yankees. Right now, they're tied up at zero against the Reds, facing hopefully, 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 future Yankee Luis Castillo. Um, ace, going to out to L.A. to the All-Star game on um, July 19th. Is that Sunday? Um, yeah, no, I'm really excited. I mean, I'm excited for the All-Star break for the sole reason that the Yankees can finally get rest. They, they've kind of... Hit regression back to the mean, my Yankees. They haven't been the best recently, but it is what it is. It's baseball. So, I mean, you're always going to have your peaks and valleys. But all in all, life is good. You know, summer, we're in the summer. There's nothing to complain about besides New York humidity. So there's that. And I'm happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, good to be here, for real. Um, You know, Clay Holmes looked human for the first time in a long time this week. So I'm, I'm excited to get into that. I don't know how seriously you guys are taking that, but it's been a hectic week. Both teams for New York seems they ha- are regressing to the mean a bit. You touched on it, Tyler. And I think we all kind of saw that coming, you know, in, at some point this year, it, it was unbelievable starts on both sides in Queens and in the Bronx. So it's been a hectic week, but I- I'm still pretty optimistic. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling a little bit gutsy. I'm going to say something and be a little bit um, preemptive here. This is not good for the Yankees on any level, because typically when we see juggernaut teams, one of two things happen. It continues and they win the championship, hence the 98 Yankees, 18 Sox, or they hit a wall and the wheels fall off the bus and that's it. I'm sorry to say, if you're a Yankee fan, you kind of should be sweating now. You lost two of four in Boston to a team that even I'll admit is beat up. The Boston Red Sox are not that good. They're good considering what they're dealing with right now. But with that fact in mind, you should have beat three of four. You could have taken all of them, taken all of them, excuse me. Then you play a Cincinnati Reds team in the Bronx that at the moment, gentlemen, is 33 and 55. Putrid. They're horrible. And you have to win on a wild pitch last night. That's really what we're going to be proud of. Now, I understand a win's a win. It counts. Yeah, I see Tyler with the little gesture I'm so there. proud of my Yankees. <laughs> I saw everyone's going nuts in the stadium. If I was at the stadium, I would have been like, oh, I mean, yeah, yeah you, won the, you won the game. But right. look at who you beat and how you beat them. I understand Clay Holmes is entitled to an off day or two, 
but not against Cincinnati Reds. Struggle against Boston. That's fine. They have some hitters in their lineup. Struggle against a team like Tampa Bay. They're always frisky. Don't struggle against the Cincinnati Reds. Tyler, you're the Yankee fan in the room. What's the temperature right now in the Bronx? Because I'm getting a little concerned about them going forward because it feels like the metaphorical carriage has turned back into a pumpkin on this Cinderella season. I'm going to be honest. I mean, I'm not really that worried for the sole reason that I knew this was, I knew something like this was coming. I thought I knew the Yankees would come back to come back to earth a little bit. They're on a 119, 120 wing pace. They're not doing that. Nobody in baseball these days are doing that, especially in the AL East. You see all five teams are above 500 now. The Orioles are disgusting, first of all. Can we give a quick shout-out to the Orioles Like before we get back to my point? Quick shout-out to the Orioles. Them and the Mariners are playing two of the best baseball I've ever like I've seen in baseball all year. Um, Clay Holmes had his one-off day. Listen, it was against Cincinnati. You have to remember, he played in Pittsburgh, and he's getting PTSD to back when he was actually bad at baseball. <laughs> Back when he pitched in the NL Central, he was bad at baseball. He had to face the Reds, and he had a little PTSD, had a little moment, and uh, forgot how to pitch. Last night, he didn't look too hot, but then he he didn't end up giving up any any runs. And then um, the Yankees won in very, very weird fashion on on a wild pitch in uh, extras. I mean, it's baseball. I knew something would happen. I'm at the point where guys, guys like, there are some guys that I'm not worried about. There are guys that I am worried about. Like James and Tyone, I am fully worried about. He's been over, I think his last six or seven starts, he's got like eight year. He's been terrible. Like he's, there's no sugarcoating. It. He's been atrocious. And I love the guy to death. Like he's one of the best stories on this team and I love him, but he's just not built for it. Like he, he can't be, he wasn't going to sustain that 2.5, 2.6 ERA that he had at one point in the season. Nestor Cortez needs to figure out how to get righties out again. Like, cause like, he really, he's really struggled recently as well. And I'm, I'm confident he'll be able to figure it out because he's really smart and crafty. But Tyone, I'm worried about. That's why I mentioned I want to go get a guy, be aggressive. Brian Cashman, go go up, you know, tell him everybody, you're the Yankees. Go get us. It's a premier starting pitcher like Luis Castillo. Starting pitching wins in the playoffs. Starting pitching and home runs win the playoffs. You got to get guys like that. Get that. Aaron Hicks is – um. He, he, he'll be back after the All-Star break. Severino just got placed on the 15-day IL. And then Loisaga came back today. So that's huge. That's huge for the bullpen, but it's also a big blow to the starting rotation. So, you know. I mean, it's 162-game season. Yeah. I think, you know, we're in the dog right. days of summer. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And right, it, it, you can't expect this Yankee team to, to win 120 games. I mean. Right. You you are playing teams like Cincinnati Reds, but yeah, they're, they're you know, pesky, they're frisky. Yeah, they have bad they teams beat good teams all the time, especially right. in in July and August. And, you know what I mean? So I'm not Miles, panicking. Remember, they started the Reds started like with three and twenty two, and after that they've they've played five hundred ball. They're not bad at, like historically they're, bad anymore. <laughs> they're it, they're average to below average. It's true, and no, and they, they do have some solid bats. You know, India Drury's is a, a blowing all star every every year, Don, and like Brandon Drury should have made the all star team, right? And then okay, I'm glad you touched on Clay Holmes a little bit earlier because when Clay Holmes has seen Cincinnati a million times in his career, and right. maybe in past years, Clay Holmes was an average bullpen arm. He wasn't he was this best Canada. pitcher in baseball. So I think you know we've seen Clay Holmes be the best pitcher in baseball throughout the first half. There's absolutely no way that we will see that in the second half. I mean, that's just not who he is. And I think particularly guys like Holmes or Cortez, like guys who 
haven't done this throughout their careers, you're saying maybe these guys are peaking early. Maybe this right. is a team that's peaking early in general. And, you know, we saw it last year kind of with both New York teams, but particularly with the Mets. It's that when you're, the Yankees are sucked, but like they made the playoffs somehow. Yeah. But, but when it's 162 game season, you don't right. want to be playing your best baseball in May, June, but, and July. And so uh, exactly. I'm, I'm I have a counterpoint. To, exactly. I have a counterpoint to that. This shows that Brian Cashman needs to be aggressive at the, at the deadline. Guys are starting to get banged up. He knows that. First of all, Aaron Judge has been, you know, human, not good since June, like 14th. He's been bad for mm. a long. There's no sure. Yeah. He's been below league average. It's Aaron Judge. He's going to figure it out. This is the MVP, one of the MVP front runners, him, Shohei, Jordan Alvarez, whoever you want to name. So having your best player be really bad kind of like puts a damper on everything else. Stan's a hot and cold hitter. Rizzo's a hot and cold hitter. Glaber started to be really good this year, but he can be a hot and cold hitter. Donaldson, oh, my God. So you need – this shows that you need to be aggressive at the deadline and elevate yourself from like a contender that, you know – the Astros are in your way, a team like that. The Dodgers on your Dodgers, Miles, the Mets, if they face them, you make that move a couple of moves at the deadline to show that you're the best team in baseball without a shadow of a doubt and go win that World Series. So I'm confident in Brian Cashman to get it done. I'm not worried. I'd rather them peak, like, you know, hit a wall now and realize what, where their shortcomings mm-hmm. are before the trade deadline so they can continue to make moves than after they hit a wall in September and then fall apart in October. To me, I really see that Astros series as a bit of a pivotal moment, right? They play an a future AL contender, to say the least, in the the, Astros. One of the best teams in baseball. And then they're kind of shown that, hey, you're not different than every other team in the league. And then now they've been playing relatively average baseball as of late. And I I don't really see them ever touching the product we saw in in May again, to be honest. And that's that's a little, that's a tad concerning. Well, I'm not worried about that because that's the best team in baseball that I've probably best Yankee stretch I've ever seen in my life in my 21 years of living. I think we'll be, I think we'll be okay. I think the Yankees will be fine. Sure. Will they win 119 games? Absolutely not. Will they win 110? I don't know. Probably not. They'll probably win around like 105 and then get that first overall seed in the AL. But it's all about getting better at the deadline. And Brian Cashman did last year when the Yankees weren't as good and they barely sneaked, snuck into the playoffs this year. This is a dominant force. That's plays extremely like they play complete brand of baseball. They can hit for contact. They have power bats throughout. They run the base as well. That's one thing that I love about this Yankee team. This is a slow team. There's no sugarcoating it, but they like, they're like fourth in stolen bases in, in the MLB with a really slow team. Like they got guys like Anthony Rizzo running and stealing bases. Mm-hmm. You don't expect that. Anthony Rizzo's slow. So like, this is, this is a much more fun team to watch and sure they're coming down to earth, but I'm still extremely confident in the Yankees. Like there's, like the confidence level right now, it was at a 12 out of 10 before during that May run. Now it's like a 8.9 out of 10. Well, well, but that's quite the dip. And you mentioned they're a little right. bit of course. banged up now. Severino had to leave yesterday's affair. He's got a lat strain. He's the on lat strain is on the day IL. Yeah. Here's the thing that would concern me. And it was what I opened this segment with. Of course. Not the fact that this team is all of a sudden terrible or anything like that. No, they're going to be fine. They're going to make the playoffs. I, I would just be concerned from a philosophical point of view in the room. What I mean by that is if you're sitting in the Yankees clubhouse as a New York Yankee, can you stop the bleeding? And does that affect your mentality as a player? Now, I know they all say it doesn't. 
everyone and their mother always says, oh, no, we're just trying to come in every day and win ball games. But right, but I'm sorry. When you are on that diamond and things start slowly and surely not going your way like they have mm. been in April, May, June, as Miles was alluding to, that does something to you mentally. That's why I'm concerned about someone like Clay Holmes. I'm concerned about someone like Rizzo who struck out in a big spot last night. I will be very concerned about Luis Severino when he comes back from yet another injury. Ironically, Tyler, I'm not really concerned about Tyone because, you know, you kind of knew what he was. He's not performing well at all as of late, but he he throws strikes. And I've heard Yankees fans kvetch for months about Araldis Chapman in that, yeah, he doesn't throw strikes. He walks people a lot. He did it at Fenway a couple nights ago. If I'm Brian Cashman, yeah, I'm making the move for another arm with the intention of then saying, all right, maybe we try Tyone in the bullpen just to have a guy in there that can consistently throw strikes, get a couple of ground ball outs, because I like Jamison Tyone. I think he's the Mm -hmm. type of player that has a really – good feel for the game he's resilient he's come back from injury before had a killer july yeah and he does not walk guys and we love that fastball is not great doesn't walk guys but still has an effective uh, presence on the bump i want to get your guys takes they're opening a series against the boston red sox as of right now i checked earlier it does not look like boston has even labeled their starters for this series that Mm -hmm. team is severely hurt Believe me, well, I know. We'll Chris sell. Sale will not be pitching in this series. Oh, I just made his season debut on Tuesday. I don't know if that will fit Good. into the five day. If anything, it's going to have to be on Sunday, I believe, when Sale will come back. Um, but I don't That's see that cool. happening. ESPN has their sure. early projections, which is Avaldi Pavetta and then Sale on Sunday. But I, I don't know how accurate that would be because then they have sure. Montgomery, Tyone, so, Cole for the Yankees. And I, I like that you mentioned Tyone possibly moving to the pen because this yeah, Saturday's start, if he does make start Saturday, according to ESPN, mm-hmm. um, that's going to be a pivotal start for him. I think it, it's really a, an opportunity for him to prove himself. And if he doesn't, I hope that they're they're quick to make that change to the pen. I think they will. These past I think couple they will. months, it's it's been tough. But Colin, that's an astute observation. I think he would obviously at this point perform better for the Yankees out of the pen. I think what the Yankees are going to do, and um, on Saturday because we saw Tyone did not pitch well last time against Boston. You got to limit his workload. You got to limit guys like him, Severino, and Nestor's workload. Montgomery, Cole, do not worry about them. They're fine. They're workhorses. Um, the other three, you got to worry about that a little bit. And then Tyone didn't look too hot. Domingo Herman's about to come back from injury. I think that they're going to spot start him on Saturday. I don't like Domingo Herman at all as a person. Wait for obvious reasons because he's not a good person, but I think they're going to fit him into the rotation as a spot starter on Saturday. See how he does get, get, get some innings out of him and, um, give Tyone a day off because, Tyone needs it as badly as anybody on this team. He's not himself right now. It's clear. He's regressed to the mean and then some. You got to give him a day or two. Like, got, oh, skip a start of his. Um, I mean, J.P. Sears pitched last night, so he's. I don't think he's available until, what, what's today? Yeah, maybe he pitches Sunday at a relief. Or, like, as a starter, he threw a couple innings last night. There are options, but I think it's very important to keep the guys well-rested. And Tyone... Desperately needs to have a skip, start skipped. 
On the flip side of things, I'm very curious to see how the Yankees hitters respond to Boston's pitching. If what you're saying is true, Miles, and Evaldi will be back mm. in some capacity this series, that will tell me a lot about where these hitters' heads are at because Evaldi's not a guy who plays around with the zone. He'll throw strikes all day long. Hard. It's, a little bit, it's a little bit like Tyone in that way. He throws a lot harder mm. than Tyone, but he's right. not afraid to get it into the plate, down the plate. Wherever he wants to put the ball is where it's going. He doesn't dance around a whole lot. So you'll be able to tell a lot about where these Yankees hitters are heading based on how they perform against a guy like Tyone. Someone like Pavetta, you know, right, maybe you can kind of take a little bit less from that. To me, Evaldi's the big one that you look at and say, all right, this is a good litmus test for that lineup. Any predictions, gentlemen? I know it's a three-game set. We don't typically do predictions for something in the middle of summer, yeah. but you know what? It's Yankees. It sucks. I haven't been on nosebleeds with you gentlemen at all so far, so we're going to make a little bit of a prediction here. How do we see this plan out before we switch over to Queens? So I'm going to go. One start. You got it. You got I'll it. Go ahead. I'll, I'll I, mean, I, I believe. I think the Yankees, you know, it is a mental game right now in the middle of July and, and, and it's a grind. It's humid out there in the Bronx. And, and I think I think they're able to take two or three. I, I maybe that's a tad optimistic, but just given where the Red Sox are at right now, if the Yankees are not able to take two out of three. I think that's definitely a scary sign because, mm-hmm. you know, it like it, it is between the ears. And if they were to only if they were to lose this series and, and the Sox were to take two out of three, I guess you could attribute it to, hey, it's still, you know, it's still midsummer and, and, and this is not our final product. But, man, if, if the Yankees are not able to win this series, I, I think it really adds to, to some worry for us Yankee fans. I'm going to rock with two out of three, at least. Um, I think the Yankees do win this series. Um, I think this Yankee team is resilient. They're mentally tough. They've showed that they, with all the comeback wins that they've had so far in the season, um, last night being another one. They're weird. When, like, what, they're a very weird team. Like, the Yankees, like, they'll lose to the team like the Reds. Right now they're losing one nothing, and they're also getting no hit because Luis Castillo is him. Um <laughs> They're weird. Like the Yankees are weird. Like they, they will lose to the most random teams. I'm not even going to name the Orioles anymore because they're actually legitimately sick. But like, and then they'll beat like teams that you don't expect. And like when their backs against the wall, they'll come out and sweep a team. That being said, two out of three, I think they like lose in a weird fashion. It's like Evaldi. Um, I think they beat Sale, beat up on Sale. And I'm not scared of Pavetta, if we're being honest. But uh, I know that's going to bite me in the butt once I say that. <laughs> that being said, two out of three is my prediction, at least. Um, I could see a sweep. I don't care about what's going on right now. The Yankees' confidence is still there. Absolutely still there. Just got to, you know, they need the all-star break. But um, why not end the first half on a high note? And that's how I'm feeling. Yeah, I'll go with two of three as well. I don't think they're completely off the cliff yet. I think we definitely see some signs of regression going on at the moment. I don't think this series will be a cakewalk. It never is against the Red Sox. Uh, If Cole pitches, I don't like his chances to win that game just because he is atrocious against Boston. Yeah, even if it's not in Boston. Against Devers. Against Devers. Not against the rest of Boston because he did not (laughs) give up anything to the rest of Boston. He gave up five RBIs to Devers. He's just lucky Kike's not there right now. I'll say that much. We all remember that wild card game last year. But you last know who, year. That was in the past. Past history matters, man. History, <laughs> history matters. Not, history will not repeat I love it. it. You know, recent history really matters. Maybe not ancient history, but recent history definitely does. 
Uh, Tyler, you mentioned that's that's definitely a shot at the 27 rings, isn't it? (laughs) Tyler, you mentioned that the Yankees are looking to end on a high note. They need to get into that all-star break. Do you know who's really going to head into that break on a high note, though? The boys in Queens. They Mm -hmm. just took two of three from the Atlanta Braves. And really, nobody thought that was going to happen the way things were going for the Mets. You talk about a little bit of a mental switch. I'm going to give Buck Showalter so much credit for the way he's been able to kind of instill this never-say-die mentality in that clubhouse. Yeah. It shows in the offense. They're not hitting home runs. They're not like the Yankees. They're not the Bronx Bombers. No, they're the Mets. They're the ragtag team from Queens that's doing it any way they can. Max Scherzer was lethal in the first game of that series. You lost the David Peterson start. That's okay. And then you got Chris Bassett a win in the series finale. The Mets are cooking with gas. They beat the red-hot Braves two of three. If I'm a Mets fan right now, I'm feeling very good about my chances to see a World Series in Flushing. I'm feeling hot if I'm a Mets fan. Um, I mean, two out of three. And you got to remember, no Marte and no Jeff McNeil. Shout out to Jeff McNeil. I had his first kid. Um, so that's the reason why he wasn't able to play. Um, that's huge. Two of your best offensive players, um, not your best pitchers. I mean, well, Scherzer is your best p- active pitcher right now. DeGrom's pitching is um, what he calls rehab start today, actually, funny enough. Um, Bassett pitched solid. David Peterson, you, you, you expect – that's your punk game. That's your game that you don't expect. But to come out there against a red-hot Atlanta Braves team and a team that was creeping up on them in the division and just be like, no, we're, this is not the Mets of the old. The Mets of the old would have collapsed and gotten swept. This is the new Mets team that looks a lot more dangerous. Sure, they have their pit balls. They need another big bat or two in the lineup, and they need bullpen help. But this is a very, very good Mets team. And I joke around like, oh, my God, it's the Mets. It's the Mets. Nah, this team is nasty. I mean, they're very good. Lindor had a, what, he had a big home run, I think, game three. Um, they got to Charlie Morton early. They were on him from the minute the game started. And this is a team that, like, they just feel like the camaraderie is there. The chem, like it's weird to say baseball chemistry because like they're all doing their individual thing, but chemistry is there. They like to be around each other. The vibe in Queens is definitely up, and Edwin Diaz is disgusting. And most important about Edwin Diaz, last two games they didn't have to pitch. They got him two days off. How important is two days of rest for a closer that's been? He pitched like what four days in a row, three days in a row the before. Give him that rest. And I don't even know if they need him much during the Cubs series because the Cubs suck. So you get to, you can rest him, I'm sure. This is a Mets team that's going into the All-Star break looking good. I'm really excited to see what the Mets do coming out of the All-Star break. But right now, they're looking really hot. I'm also really excited about the Mets, but I wouldn't necessarily say that it seems that the World Series could run through flushing just yet. Just yet. I it do won't. agree that. The the play for the man next to you mentality with these Mets is obvious, right? And all the credit in the world goes to Buck Showalter because it's just a gritty group. It's in it, it's it's different than the. I'm glad you mentioned that, Colin, because it's so different than the Yankees. It's like the L.A. Clippers, L.A. Lakers, right? One has pedigree, and everyone in the world knows it. It's 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 the elephant in the room when you discuss the two. So it's always going to be the, a different path to success for these Mets, right? It's going to take a gritty group. And it, we talked a lot about how the Yankees are, will be looking to make a move for an arm. I'm interested to see if the Mets need to make a move 
for some home runs or for any kind of addition with these arms coming back, you know, I'm not sure. Obviously, you know, Cohen is, is, is vastly different than who the Mets were four years ago with, with deep pockets and et cetera. So, you know, I think that if, if Cohen sees this as the year, we might see an aggressive move at the deadline. So I, I'm, I'm excited for the Mets because, you know, with, with these arms coming back and, and at a timely point in the year, it, it really could, does look up. And it's it's a, it, I think that the play for the man next to you was really exemplified in this battle with Atlanta, right? That's going to be huge down the line if they're, if they're there for one another, you know? Absolutely. I think that are going to make a move for like a bullpen arm. I think two guys that are on my mind right now are Joe Mantaboy from Arizona. Um, he's been lights out. I think he's going to the all-star game, pretty sure. Daniel Bard from Colorado, another bullpen arm that they, I mean, both teams aren't very good. They're going to sell at the deadline. Mets should go get them. And then, you know, a big bat, another NOS guy, Jock Peterson. He also what Atlanta did last off last journeyman of the century now. Exactly. (laughs) Young Jock, another former Dodger. So you're familiar with him. Mm -hmm. Um, You all saw what he did with Atlanta in the playoffs last year. They got him at midseason. What happened? Mm -hmm. Who won the World Series? Atlanta. If the Mets could go get a big bat, a guy who you saw in the five hole behind Pete Alonso, a lefty bat. Oh my God, that is huge for this lineup. You put him at the DH spot, whatever you want, rotate him in the field. That's huge. And Jock Peterson brings a lot of swagger to that team. Just, you know, don't put him in the same locker room as Tommy Pham because maybe um, <laughs> stuff will happen, stuff will ensue, and don't put him in the same fantasy football league. But that's cool. I think Jock Peterson should be the – if the Giants sell, that is. If the Giants sell, which they're not looking too hot right now, but if the Giants sell, Jock Peterson should be the Mets' number one target by far. The Mets 55 and 34, two and a half ahead of the Braves now in the NL East. Guys – I agree they need to make some form of a move. I don't think getting a big bat is the way to go for my money. If I'm Mm -hmm. Steve Cohen, I think getting another arm would be the most useful thing for me. I think Michael Fulmer is a great fit. Obviously they gave him a bullpen arm or a starter. I think you need a flex guy, someone that can do both. You gave away Michael Fulmer when he was a prospect to get Yoannis Cespedes back in the day. I say bring him back to Queens. The guy has filthy stuff. He's having resurgence this year. He's on a Tigers team that stinks. The Tigers right now are 37 and 52. I thought the reality. uh, A lot of people thought the Tigers were going to be good. I mean, you know, they're aggressive this offseason. It's not, you know what? It's it's the day and age in baseball now where if you're going to be aggressive, you have to be smartly aggressive. Be like the Dodgers. Go get a Mookie Betts or a Freddie Freeman. People that can play under the most extreme of conditions. You could tell Freddie Freeman, we want you to be a contact hitter. He'll go out and do it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Mookie Betts. What you don't do is throw money at someone like Javi Baez, who's all or nothing. Javi Baez. I like that. I like that. Great Terrible. player, but I think he's just too much boomer bust for the Tigers to have given him all that money. We saw it in Queens last year, so the Mets know about the Javi Baez experience, mm-hmm, if you will. And I think that's partly why this team is built around pitching. Like, yeah, the offense has been good because it's kind of that uh, factory line, if mm-hmm. you will. That's what it reminds me of. It's just bit by bit. It's never pretty. I've covered a bunch of Mets games this year for the station, and – it's very rare that it's a huge home run that helps the Mets. And when it is a huge home run, 
guess what? It's by someone like Nick Plummer. And you go, who the hell is Nick Plummer? And then you learn who Nick Plummer is. It's really a, quite a nice experience. <laughs> but the team is built around pitching. Jacob deGrom is on the way back. He's making his starts right now, I believe, in Port St. Lucie. Mm-hmm. With Alvarez as the catcher, which has Mets fans very mm-hmm. excited about what he could be. Future battle. That would be scary. Now you have Scherzer back officially, and he looks like he's 100% fine. It's like nothing happened at all. And Chris Bassett has been such a hard luck loser this year. I feel so bad for Chris Bassett. I know Jacob deGrom doesn't because he's looking at him like, yeah, this is your rite of passage. (laughs) You lose a bunch of games, you should win. Bassett's only seven and six now. If you're building it around pitching – you go out and you get a flex arm now. You don't need another ace. You just need someone to bridge the gap to get to Edwin Diaz. Because there's days where Adovino doesn't have it. There's days where Joely doesn't look too hot. Just right, get someone so like that. I'm interested to see how they handle that. Because, you know, the big criticism of the Mets, if they've been lacking in any particular department, it'd be the deep one, right? It'd be the home run ball. But I don't even know if that, yeah, like you touched on, it's not the identity of this team. But will Cohen, you know, bow down to the criticism and say, this is New York's team. We need to go out and be aggressive and get another power bat because that's what, you know, a lot of the New York talk is. So it, it, it's going to be take a discipline, uh, you know, move by by Cohen's front office to, to stay away from, you know, reaching for a power bat. Because I think at this point in the year, when you see how talented this group is, you think, man, we need one piece and we need home runs. but that that is obviously not that simple in baseball. So it, it's gonna take it's gonna take some discipline at the trade deadline. Me. I think oh, Tyler, do you have something I have to say? A Go pretty first. important point about this. I'm pretty sure the team that hit more home runs in the playoffs last year was 37 now. I just want to make that very clear. So you need power bats in October. This is very clear. So contact hitting does not win games. I mean, wins games in the regular season, sure, blah, blah, blah. Hitting 300 looks nice. That is a tough <laughs> argument. You need power bats to win in October. Um, big bats when I, in October when bats go cold and pitching gets better. The only way to beat good pitching, good power hitting. Simple. You need a big bat. I don't even hate that that much because when you think back about what postseason baseball is like. Look at, well, look at what the Braves did last year. Think about the pivotal home runs. A lot Jorge of Soler. Jorge Soler won five, a World Series MVP. I don't think he's batting like he's batting what two twenty probably, but he hits big bombs because he's a big power hitter, and he won World Series MVP. Job so Tyler, if you're in the Mets front office, do you think it's necessary to make that move for us? Oh, yeah, it's it's the only. I mean, it's by far the number one priority to me. See, no, uh, I would not even. You need I don't more agree. pitching. There's nah, you no have way to, you have to because 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 what if like. Colin, hear me out. What if all the other bats go cold besides like even Lindor? Okay, okay. You got Peter Alonso. You got one bat. Here's the misconception about your theory here. It's mm-hmm. not always the team that has the most home run hitters. It's who hits the most home runs. Mm-hmm. The oh, I love it. Exactly. No, it's, it's the not team the that same hits the most thing. Home runs. See, now, for and me, the Mets don't. The Mets are like, what, 20th? Right. And But you don't know. Come October, Pete Alonso mm-hmm. could get hot. It could be timely. Lendor could oh, get absolutely. hot. Marte can hit a couple over the fence. Eduardo Escobar got hot yeah. for a little bit yeah. in the summer. That hate him. <laughs> See, I think Eduardo Escobar is a great clubhouse guy. He's going to be very useful down the stretch. Wait, he's been around the block. Here. He's not scared of any of this. And I think, you know, to your point about home runs, it's important to have some hot bats in October. We understand that. I think it will help that Steve Cohen himself is a Mets fan, meaning mm-hmm. his best memory as a Mets fan mm-hmm. is obviously 1986. 
Yeah. That team had really one guy, one dude that was hitting them over the fence night in, night out. That was Daryl Strawberry. Obviously, Mitchell was there. Obviously, Gary Carter could do that a little bit. Keith could as well, who just got his number retired. Very well-deserved. Should be in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, they had some guys that could put it over the fence. Same way this team does now. But they didn't win necessarily because of all of the home runs that they did or didn't hit. They won because of timely hitting. Look at the guy who basically cemented the NLCS for them that season. Now, obviously, it wasn't the game that sent them to the World Series by any stretch. But if they don't win that game... You don't have to win it in six. That was Lenny Dykstra, big walk-off in that series. Lenny was not a home run hitter. Lenny Dykstra is a lot like Jeff McNeil in that he was scrappy. He'd get on base. He'd steal you a base. But it was timely hitting. So if I'm Steve Cohen, I'm thinking very carefully about trading any future assets Mm -hmm. for someone that might be boomer bust because you don't want a Joey Gallo. New York does not need another Joey Gallo. If you get a (laughs) pitcher, get someone like Michael Fulmer. Get someone right. who can be a flex guy for you and then bank on the fact that when the weather gets cold, the bats will get hot. I don't know. Good, good. Ba- I stand by my take. Good hitting beats good pitching. You need big power bats. The game has evolved since 1986. It's not contact hitting. It's not small ball. It's not running bases, moving guys over. None of that plays these days. And sure, sometimes it'll work. It hasn't played since, what, 2014 with the, with the Royals? I think it played in 2004. Oh, that was <laughs> that was eight, that was eighteen years ago. That doesn't. That doesn't I think matter. I think it helped for the Yankees in twenty seventeen. But I think team identity is an interesting point Gary here. Sanchez. You, yeah, team identity matters. But look at look at the past couple World Series champions. Dodgers. They had twenty twenty big bat power bats. Like the Braves are the best example of this. Twenty nineteen. Mm. The um, what do you call it? The Nationals. Um, Soto, Rendon, Zimmerman got hot again. You got guys, Howie Kendrick came up with, you said timely home runs, but you guys who would hit home runs and good pitching. Home runs and good pitching wins. Contact hitting does not win. Um, you could go on. 2018, the Red Sox hit a lot of, they were just great hitters in general. Home they run. were really good situational hitters. In well, there's me, a, when you really think about it, else. let's say the Mets do add some big bat. Right. I can't imagine some single big bat is the right. difference maker in October. It helps so case. much, though. It helps so <laughs> much. It makes, that, it makes that team a lot scarier to face. It, it does. But, you know, when you think about it, this is, yeah, this is this is a gritty group. And this is, I, I get that, you know, contact hitting, contact hitting isn't necessarily all that reliable at the end of the day either. You still need guys right. to come through in big spots. And it's not like you just have a bunch of guys who you can say, okay, they're going to get on base. They're going to, you know, next man up, they're going to get it done for you. And I, I, but I just can't imagine. I think if you were to really make a move, if you're Steve Cohen and you say, what makes my team significantly better for this playoff push, it's going to be some arms because you know, you, you have, when you look up and down the lineup, right, there's depth, there's so much depth and you have some guys that are relatively inconsistent, but at this point, you're invested in those guys, and you're going to need your your core veteran, like everyday hitters like McNeil, to be to come up in big spots in October, right? And and that's the identity of this team, and you're going to need to follow that up on the back end defensively with some solid arms. I, I see that being what that's comes through for the Mets. That's a way of thinking of it. Luckily, what I think is going to happen, I think the Mets are going to make a move for a big bat, but they're also going to make moves for arms. I think they're going to be aggressive at the deadline. They have money to spend. They have holes to fill. Steve Cohen ain't stupid. Uh, Billy, Up- Billy Epler will figure it out. They ain't stupid over there. Um, this is not the Mets of the old. 
they will take do what it takes to get to that next level. From where I consider them right now, fringe contenders, like they're really a really good team. Um, could they win a World Series? Is currently constructed? No, they can't. If they make those moves in in uh, by the deadline, yes, they can. So I think that um, I think that Steve Cohen, Billy Eckler, the whole front office, they know what they're doing now. They'll make the right moves, the requisite moves to put that team over the top and make that team a serious threat in October. There's no question that that front office will be willing to make the necessary adjustments, as you mentioned there. I can't believe I'm in this much disagreement with Me both too. of you. I'm I a think. little surprised. I, I know. I, that I makes really for good debate. Embrace debate. <laughs> I feel as though small ball can win you a championship. It has in the olden times, and I think it will again sometime soon. I don't think it's good for baseball if the Mets <laughs> win this way. Like, if the Mets um, win the World Series on the virtue of being a small ball team, the MLB will hate that. They don't need well, that. Well, they'll hate it. They yeah. need a big market. They need a Yankees, Dodgers. Step backwards for the culture of baseball. Exactly, yeah. Well, sure. I, I think it might even be a little bit of a step forward in some case. You're getting rid of the sh- the, the shift next well, season. Shift, yeah, there's what that. is it going? Because then what is it going to be? Then is it going to be we're all going to walk or hit home runs and that's it? Then what is it? Glorified cricket? I don't even know the rules of cricket. Just, outcomes. Welcome I, to the I, analytics era. I love it. I don't see. I'm not with that. I think there's multiple yeah. ways to win a baseball game, and the Mets have the manager that is a savant when it comes right. to just finding ways to win games. So the last thing I want to by both of you guys, you know, talking about styles of play, talking about matchups. What is the worst case matchup for the Mets in the playoffs? Now, I'm going to go first here because I think the obvious answer is the Dodgers. So I'm going to go with something that's a little bit less obvious because, uh, you know, just for the fun of it, I guess. I'm going to say the Phillies are the worst case scenario for them. If Philly sneaks into the wild card and the Mets have to meet them somewhere down the road, that's the worst case for me because Philly's got some good bats. They're horrible in the field. We know that their pitching is flaky at times, but the Mets are built on pitching. To me, that's the team that could really destroy them very early on because if they get hot, I don't know if I want to be facing Reese Hoskins, and I don't know if I want to be facing a healthy Bryce Harper. Don't I have an idea what his status is right now? I'll certainly be wondering about that as the summer heats up. Don't I know. know you, I know you don't want to face Kyle Schwarber, the big, big bomb hitter, the Mets killer. Oof, yeah, I mean, Schwarber and the Mets, man, that's like uh, oil and water, I think, as they say. So for me, it's Philly. I'm wondering, Tyler, if you're the Mets, who don't you want to face? I mean, out of the NL, it's the Braves. Um, sure, you could say the Dodgers, the basic boring answer, but no, I'm more scared of the Braves than I am of the Dodgers at this point. I think the Braves are. Sure, they lost the series this past week, but it's baseball. People, teams lose series all the time. I think the Braves, um, their pitching's really sc- scary. They got Max Fried, Spencer Strider, Kyle Wright. Um, don't know if Soroka will ever come back this season. Charlie Morton is not a five-something ERA guy. He'll come back down to earth. Um, her bullpen isn't bad. It's deep. Uh, Matzik will come back. Um, will Smith. Um. Kenley Jansen, who's been around the block in the playoffs, and their lineup is scary. I mean, Matt Olson is gonna he's gonna start to hit for power. Austin Riley scary, obviously Ronald Cunha Jr. I think this Braves team is disgusting. I think they're the best team in the NL. Like I, I stand, like I really do think that. Like right now, they have the they have the best style of play. I think that they have pitching, starting pitching, at least in my eyes, starting pitching, home runs, 
and just all around good bats. They run the bases well. Dansby Swanson, Ozzy Albies. There's a ton of talent in that team. Michael Harris, a guy who's he's a I think he's a rookie, emerges their everyday center fielder. That team's scary to me. I think they're better than the Mets right now as constructed. So Mets fans, if you hear this, do not start yelling at me. But I think I, that's my personal opinion. I'd much rather if I'm the Mets, I'd much rather face any team but the Braves. I think you can make a case that the Braves are the best team in the NL at times because they went through their World Series slump and now they've already bounced back and they're and they're right in contention again. And I think, you know, it might end up being being the Braves division in the end. I hate to say that, but, you know, and the Dodgers are obviously a, another they're they're stacked. There's what more can you say about the Dodgers, right? Everywhere from, from Mookie to Freeman, it, it, up and down the lineup, there are it's no Turner. holes. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> homegrown Turner, partially homegrown Turner. Um, <laughs> but a team that I honestly am a bit scared of in, in the NL would be the Milwaukee Brewers, and I know that's going under the radar, but they're a team who absolutely has not played their best baseball yet, and we talked about it with the Yankees. They're a team who already has peaked. For a fact, they have played their best baseball of the 2022 season. Milwaukee, I could see them putting something together in the coming months. You know, McCutcheon, Adinas, uh, uh, excuse me, Yelich. Obviously, the, the weapons are there offensively, and I think they're someone who just is, is, is a has the possibility of really being a contender. So I won't say that they'd be the scariest team for the Mets to face. But beyond those obvious two, and I feel like the, the World Series Braves and the Dodgers, Milwaukee should be a team that we see as someone who could make an impact in the NL playoffs. Honestly, like with Milwaukee, it feels like the Mets are facing themselves with elite, two elite starting Funny. pitchers. Yeah. Two elite, elite starting pitchers in Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. Fred Peralta is probably done for the season. He's on the 60-day IL. Um, the thing is, the Brewers have a sick the, uh, bullpen with Devin Williams and Josh Hader. But – that team is a bunch of noodle bats and they bit me in the butt last year. Cause I bought, I went all in on them. I was like, Oh my God, they have three, six, yeah. sick bullpen. Maybe Christian Yelich can, you be can see the potential. You can see the potential. Right. And then they fell flat in their face in the first round. I was like, come on, really? Yeah. This is the one year. So, I mean, if they get the bats, yes, I fully agree with you. I, I, I am always so close to being like all in on the brewers and then they find a way to mess it up. And then I'm like, yeah. all right, I see what they have there. Yeah. A good setup. So like, I'm like, they're right there, but they need they need bats. So Mets fans, you heard it here. Brew crew, Braves, fight and fills. Watch out. Also, guys, Bryce Harper did a little bit of an interview recently. He said, I'll be back. This is his quote. So if he does come back, maybe I'll be proven right that there'll be a threat in that NL East or NL playoff picture as a whole. Mets gonna wrap up things against the Cubs. They have a four-game set in Chi-Town. Yanks, as we said earlier, are gonna be facing off against Boston. That's going to do it for this episode of Nosebleeds. For Tyler Hugh and Miles Grossman, I'm Colin Lochran saying so long. Nosebleeds is a production of WFUV Sports. Mm-hmm.